It's the Eggship Podcast. I'm Patrick Mayhorn. I'm the founder of the Eggship, a credentialed outlet and newsletter delivering Utah State football, men's basketball, and women's basketball feature-length stories and reporting to your inbox several times per week. You can subscribe at www.theagship.com. We have a $6 a month tier and a $10 a month tier. $10 a month tier gets you access to film studies, gets you access to the upcoming next week premium Q&A shows of the Agship podcast. Uh, just put out a film study as I record this on Friday today on the 1961 Utah State offense. I think it's pretty cool. I, I had a lot of fun working on it. I would recommend it. If you'd like, you can try that tier, that $10 tier, uh, for free for one month. Uh, if you click on the one free month button in the post for this podcast on the eggship.com, uh, you can follow the outlet on Twitter at the eggship and me on Twitter at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. Um, just want to do a quick intro here. This is going to be an interview show. Uh, I talked to Kyle Kensing of, uh, several places, specifically in this case of awful announcing, uh, about a story that he wrote, last week from Mountain West Media Days about the uh, sort of future of, of uh, Mountain West standing in, in the TV market and TV rights deals and contracts and uh, with uh, with realignment being on everybody's mind. Um, it's a really great story. I have linked it in the description as well as all of, uh, as well as all of Kyle's other cool stuff. Um, and uh, I wanted to just t- chat with him about the story, about sort of how it applies to the Mountain West and Utah State about where he thinks things might be headed. Um, it was a really great interview. Kyle is a uh, is a great guy to talk to. Really had a good time talking to him. Um, unfortunately, there are a couple bits uh, that have been kind of mangled by poor internet connection. It's not a significant portion of the interview. I, I would say it's about a 20-minute interview. I'd say about 18 of the 20 minutes are perfectly clear. It's just uh, we, we had a little bit of a bad connection over Zoom and uh, a few of his answers, there are parts that are uh, mangled or kind of stretched out in the way that, that a poor internet connection will do. I've done my best to limit them, um, but there were there were a couple that, that were sort of inextricable. Um, you should be able to still get the gist of what he's talking about. I don't think that there are any that are sort of answer-breaking. Uh, there's, there's one where I, t- I asked about expansion, and he mentioned a team and the name gets sort of cut off. He was talking about Montana uh, in that case, but I, I think other than that, it's largely clean. Uh, again, apologies for that. The uh, I don't know what was going on with our connection, but uh, I did the best I could. It's still a good interview, very good interview. I'd recommend it. Uh, obviously, if you're here, you are you're well on your way to listening to it. Um, <clears throat> I will mention here at the top as well, uh, today, July 29th, was the first day of Utah State fall camp, fall football camp. Football's back. Um, camp is is, uh, is private to everybody, but we're going to get to see the first fall scrimmage next Saturday. I will have a podcast coming out recapping everything that we see there immediately after, as soon as I get home uh, from watching that. I'm also going to have, like I mentioned, the premium Q&A show coming next Saturday morning before that game. So if you have fall camp questions and you are a top 10, or you are a uh, rather a $10 tier subscriber, uh, there's going to be a post going out to you all this week that uh, asks for your questions in the same Google form that we used last week or uh, last month. If you are a new premium subscriber, I will also be sending you, or a new $10 tier subscriber, I'll also be sending you the RSS feed for that this upcoming week uh, for the premium show. I just haven't, there's not been a great 
reason to yet. So one, every uh, every month, there's going to be a new cycle of, of uh, folks getting their their RSS feed for the for the premium show because those are only coming out once a month. Um, other than that, I don't think there's a ton to talk about here at the top. Uh, not been a ton of news. Blake Anderson spoke to media briefly on Thursday. Uh, confirmed Jordan Wilmore's transfer in, said that there are a couple more guys, including a JUCO offensive lineman coming in. Um, sort of uh, alluded to a couple starting spots that I thought were interesting. Mentioned that it sounds like MJ Tafisi and AJ Vongpachan is going to be the uh, the pairing at linebacker, which I thought was, was interesting. Anthony Switzer, as we have known for a while, is going to be out for the season most likely for the season with the ACL tear. Uh, so it sounds like there's going to be sort of a, a by-committee approach at, uh, at that kind of hybrid spot. Um, talked to I specifically talked to quite a few defensive linemen, defensive line coach Alex Devine about the tackles, about a couple other things for stories that are coming soon. Um, that uh, That's going to be a battle to watch going into the season. I think it's going to be just curious to, to see. Um, but this episode is not really going to be about impressions from fall camp. This one is just about the interview with Kyle. Next week I'll be back, like I said, with a recap of the spring game, or the uh, rather the first fall scrimmage, um, and a uh, sort of an overarching look at the storylines through fall camp. I should have a story coming in the next couple days on storylines in fall camp, and uh, we're going to be getting back into forecasting the Aggies, the, uh, the depth chart preview uh, as well. I hope to have a pre or a, uh, a depth chart in my post scrimmage story too, just a projected depth chart. Um, but we will cross that bridge when we get to it. Uh, other than that, I don't think I have anything else here at the top. I'm gonna just uh, I'll seed way to uh, past me talking to uh, talking to Kyle for uh, for for this uh, about this story, um, and that'll be it for this podcast. I, I don't believe there's a conclusion at the end of that other than just me saying bye to Kyle. So um, I'll do the conclusion here as well. Like you, like I said earlier, Twitter at the Ag Ship, uh, Patrick underscore Mayhorn, uh, six and ten dollar tier, all that stuff. Uh, appreciate your support, and I'll talk to you all next week. All right, I'm joined now by Kyle Kensing, uh, who is at Kyle Kensing on Twitter, all, all one word, uh, who has written a story this past week from Mountain West Media Days that I thought was really interesting and that I wanted to talk about on the show because it's, it's above my pay grade and I think it's interesting and I think that it's worth talking about. Um, Kyle, uh, welcome to the show. How's it going? Thanks so much for inviting so me. You, yeah, this last week, wrote about uh, Mountain West as it relates to TV rights, as it relates to TV money. Um, this was a big topic of Commissioner Craig Thompson's, uh, I guess, kind of keynote speech, press conference combination at the event. Uh, he talked a lot about TV markets. He talked a lot about TV rights. He talked a lot about expansion in general. Um, I, I want to start just generally with setting the table for this round of realignment and the huge TV deals that will uh, soon come with it. Uh, the last big batch was really about TV markets and cities. Um, it seems like that's not still the case. What is what is this one about? What has this, this batch of TV-based realignment been about in college football? Yeah, so really it feels like the direction is that of a two- team sort of super division which is essentially the big 10 with fox's money and the sec with espn's money positioning themselves as uh you know right now it's going to be 32 teams 
but I think the end game feels like they're going to push to about 40 to create sort of an AFC NFC dynamic where they sort of freeze out the rest of college football. And in terms of how that is related to uh, TV rights, and this is, this is largely speculative, but I'm also not saying anything that hasn't been uh, discussed, you know, uh, any number of other places in the last uh, couple of years, but really picked up steam with the USC and UCLA moves. Uh, those two conferences have the most passionate fan bases and the largest number of fans. So it makes sense for them to consolidate as much power as possible. Now, where that would end up leaving the rest of college football is a little bit concerning. And I feel like that was um, something that kind of loomed over Mountain West Media Days. Uh, and I'll be at Pac-12 Media Day tomorrow. You know, we're recording this on Thursday the 28th, on, on Friday the 29th at, at Pac-12. It's going to be interesting to see if that same sort of pal is kind of cast over that league as well. Because, you know, if we are talking about two conferences shutting out the rest of college football, well, you're still at that point leaving a hundred other FBS programs kind of on their own Island. A hundred is still more than 40. So uh, it'll be fascinating to see what the, uh, what is the there response a, is. Uh, to, to seek for some sort of uh, positivity about this as it relates to the Mountain West and Utah State, is there a case to be made that maybe that offers a little bit more exposure for teams on this level where, yes, there's this super league that everybody is paying attention to, but there's also you're not competing with those teams in the same way anymore. Uh, obviously, this is not what the Mountain West wants. This is not seemingly what anybody outside of the SEC and Big Ten want, but is there a possible positive there of there are still going to need to be TV games for other outlets? There will still need to be spots to fill, and this might offer a little bit more of a chance for teams at this level to get exposure that otherwise would have gone to, like, Ohio State, Indiana, you know, and, and Indiana maybe not being as involved or something like that. Uh, is there a case to be made for that? I think that there's certainly a positive that can be made from this, uh, especially for the Mountain West specifically, because it's such a conference has been from the jump. If you go back to when the league first started around the turn of the millennium, predating it with that old version of the Air Force team, uh, Utah hadn't quite broken out at that level yet, but was that version of the WAC was consistently producing top 25 football. The Mountain West has carried on that tradition, whether it was Utah, TCU, BYU. You know, this past season we saw it with Utah State, and I think Utah State's going to have the opportunity to continue to build on 2021. Mountain West just has good football. People want to see good football. You know, it doesn't matter what conference label is associated with it. If it's a great game, it's a great game. So I think that the Mountain West is going to have an opportunity to continue to carve out its identity, find a place on TV, whether it's, you know, continuing to solidify itself as, as the Friday night option uh, or, you know, maybe a Saturday night uh, becoming a little bit more of the go-to on Saturday nights. I think there is a ton of potential for the Mountain West to uh, to have its own kind of niche in whatever the TV landscape is, uh, you know, because it is such good football. And, and it should remain high-quality football no matter what happens, you know, here in the coming months. I, I would almost think that the parallel would be, like, a lot of people watch 
uh, you know, professional soccer that is not the Champions League or the Premier League, right? A lot of people watch Italian soccer or French soccer. Um, I, I, it's not a direct parallel because they are still playing technically in the same league, but that's, that's sort of been how I have been uh, considering it is like there are a lot of people who Saturday mornings in the fall or whatever it is are turning on the TV and they're watching French soccer or Spanish soccer or Italian soccer, not necessarily just the Premier League. Um, is, is that, do you think, a fair way to sort of uh, spin this positively for a conference that kind of needs it to be spun positively at this point? Yeah, I think it absolutely is because it, it, it's funny. I read these columns on national websites. I, you know, I'm not going to name any names, uh, but there's this sort of doom and gloom about everything that's not the Big Ten and SEC because the Big Ten and SEC are making so much more than everybody else. But they're making a lot more than everybody else who is still making yeah. way more than they used to. Like uh, that column I'd written for uh, for Awful Announcing on the Mountain West deal, the, the new contract they signed in 2020 is worth four times more than the old deal. So it's not as if they're stuck in neutral in terms of what they're making. And the same is true for the ACC and the Big 12 and the Pac-12. The reason that conferences are making so much money is because live sports are still a go-to for television networks. And that's going to remain true even if there's a consolidation of power among the SEC and the Big Ten. Yeah, maybe they're going to get more money, exponentially more money than everybody else, but there's still a lot of time to fill out in the remainder of the week. So, you know, there is going to be a rising tide. Live sports are going to remain a linchpin for teachers. You know, they're not going to see the sport just completely die. And I think that that's a great parallel with soccer yeah there's champion league and maybe that's what the sec and band is out there and there's a lot of time still left in the day to fill so Something there's going to be mentioned in the story there. that i think is interesting we've seen a couple conferences try this one uh famously and and having it not succeed in the pac-12 but you mentioned the mtn uh the uh the the mountain mountain west sort of attempted a at a network that that didn't get a whole lot of traction. Um, is that something that you think we could see more of moving forward? Is these conference uh, channels, specific channels that are not just a subsidiary of something else, but actually have, you know, game, sort of like the Big Ten network model, but even maybe even more advanced than that? Yeah, it, it's interesting to me. I, I feel like the Mountain West was really ahead of the curve uh, on this in terms of having its own network. Uh, you know, launching one year before the Big Ten. Now, where the Big Ten was able to flourish a little bit more, I think, was having a, a higher percentage of ownership with uh, with News Corp, which is now Fox Corp, uh, than what the Mountain West split was. You know, Comcast uh, got involved at a certain point. Uh, CBS got involved, but that was because it bought out CSTV, and the Mountain kind of came along with that. The fact that we're now in this age of all these various streaming options, I don't know if the market's oversaturated. This ship might have left the harbor too, but it, it, it is fascinating to me because I feel like something like the Mountain or Pac-12 Network would have worked really well launching 10 years later as a direct-to-consumer mm -hmm. sort of streaming option. Uh, 
because that way you're guaranteed, okay, cut out the middleman. You don't have to worry about distribution from DirecTV or whatever. Just go direct to the consumer, and all the Mountain West fans are going to sign up for that. You know, the problem is with the TV model, and you obviously still had to do this in the 2000s, was get that carrier, uh, uh, that, that distribution, and that's where the Mountain struggled. But I think as an idea, it was fantastic. And it's evolved a little bit with what they've kind of got going now with their digital network and, and partnering with as, Stadia. Uh, as they enter this this potential phase of you know uh, different levels emerging that are sort of uh, I would say impenetrable for teams on on this level. Um, something that a lot of people have have sort of thought about and talked about is potential expansion in some of these leagues to bring in more brands that people might be interested in the one that everyone throws around for every conference is obviously north dakota state it's a very easy one to bring up um but uh craig thompson yeah. mentioned you know there aren't a ton of teams west of denver it's just it's not a super populous area for for good football um if uh, and you're you're i would say more familiar with F- fcs football than most people on this planet um if this league did want to expand, where do you think it would go to do that? Is there, a, is there an obvious option, or is it just sort of, well, maybe the Pac-12 cast-offs will come here. But other than that, there's not, not a ton going on. Yeah, you mentioned North Dakota State. That, to me, is, the, is sort of the crown jewel you would have to pursue if you're going to expand from FCS. That's also the absolute furthest mm-hmm. east that you would want to go. You know, because Fargo, you're talking about 90 minutes from Minneapolis and you're starting to get into Big Ten country a little bit at that point. Um, so geographically, that one's a little wonky, but they regularly play Mountain West teams. So it's close enough that they have that sort of connection as, as a uh, non-conference option. Uh, and obviously the success at North Dakota State speaks for itself. The question that then uh, arises with them is how much their administration is going to want to give up being the big bully in their division where they do pretty well for themselves financially. Uh, now, obviously nowhere near what they could do as an FBS program, but still when you have that level of success, you know, Marshall's never come close to achieving the same level of prominence as they had, you know, when they were one double a and first moved up to one a. So you have to weigh whether or not you're willing to give up being the top dog in it may be not working out. You know, maybe you don't end up being Boise State. Outside of Dakota State, the other option is Montana, which works regionally. Great program. Year in and year out, they're in the mix in the big sky. Regularly contend. They have a great stadium that's immediately FBS ready. Now, an issue that comes up with them, back in 2010, the WAC was interested in bringing them in, but there was the caveat that the uh, Montana administration only wanted to come in if Montana State was invited as well. Montana State, maybe not quite as ready uh, as an institution to make that jump. As a football program, I think they'd be immediately competitive, plus they have the Mountain West connection with the former assistant of Craig Bowles being the head coach there now. Now, whether or not the university could make the move viably from a financial standpoint, that's a different question. But I think after North Dakota State, the two Montanas would would have to be high up on the list. Next, again, same thing, great football program. I don't know if it's feasible financially, but Weber State works regionally. They're great year in and year out as an FCS program. So really, you're talking about primarily big sky programs as kind of being your option. Whether or not you want to go into California, 
those ones are a real big risk because uh, Cal Poly, small stadium, you know, uh, UC Davis, real recently a Division II school, uh, Sacramento State, you know, there's already kind of a, a log jam a little bit with the Cal State system where you've got Fresno State, San Diego State, which are much bigger schools, much more established uh, athletic departments than Sacramento State, which is more of a commuter school to begin with. So uh, that would be in a much lower tier to me than the Montana's. And even below I would imagine that Weber some people State. here in Logan would not be super pleased about Weber State <laughs> jumping up. That's uh, that's tough. It's not a huge pool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's that too. You have to ask the question. You know, are you infringing on your existing yeah. members' territory? Which can be a little bit. So, of a, what is a the uh, my, my last question here? What is sort of the I guess the best case scenario coming out of this for for the Mountain West for a team like Utah State? What is the thing that people who root for Utah State should be hoping for should be sort of looking as at as sort of the goal of all of this the the best case out you know outcome yeah i think best case would be if you're able to keep everybody that's currently in the mix in that mix it's interesting because uh as i was working on that story that last day of mountain west media day john wilner had put out something about san diego state being a potential pac-12 target which also makes a lot of sense because, you know, they lose Southern California with SC and UCLA leaving. San Diego State keeps the uh, the Pac-12 footprint in Southern California, really improved its uh, athletics in the last 10 years, has improved its academics in the last 20 years. So keeping San Diego State might be an uphill battle if the Pac-12 really does want them. But if you're able to stand with the 12 members you have, that's a really good football league. I think that's the absolute best case scenario. If you're planning on, I think you have to have a contingency plan in place for losing San Diego State, potentially Fresno State, but that seems like more of a leap than, than SDSU. You have to have some sort of contingency plan in place, whether that's going into Conference USA right now and pulling out UTEP uh, or New Mexico State before they actually make that move. I know New Mexico State, not historically a good football program, but they just made a great hire with Jerry Kill. They've got a passionate basketball fan base that would translate to football if they improve the football program. And you're maintaining that regionality and you're adding a rival if you bring in UTEP as well. So if you have some sort of contingency plan in place, whether it's bringing in CUSA members or going into FCS, I think that's the second best option. And realistically, I just I don't see the Mountain West being in a spot where it has to worry about folding. I don't think we're talking about the whack from a decade ago, because that version of the whack had sort of self-destructed even before it had fallen apart as a football conference from the overexpansion. Where where, and that's something that's smart that Craig Thompson's doing. He's not being overly reactive by making uh, uh, sort of willy-nilly uh, invites. Willie, you know, I sound like I'm <laughs> 70 years old saying that, but just by overexpanding uh, too quickly, you know, alienating your existing members, and there's going to be a need for two Western conferences. So I think no matter what happens, the Mountain West is still going to exist and still going to play a high level of football. You just have to have a contingency plan. If you All right, lose Kyle, go ahead and uh, and plug your stuff. Where can people find you? What should they read? Uh, you have uh, you have earned the floor. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, 
I would say my Twitter account, just my name, Kyle Kensine, is the easiest place because uh, I, I work freelance and do stuff uh, pretty much all over the place. But the primary spots, uh, flowfootball.com, primarily for uh, FCS coverage, uh, awfulannouncing.com for sports media stuff, and my personal newsletter, uh, pressbreak.substack.com, which is primarily uh, college hoops and college football. Yep, so, there will be uh, links to all of those in the, uh, in the description of this post. Kyle, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks again for having me.